0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on HiFM. And as usual, we've got all the latest news about gadgets, gizmos, you name it. We play with them, thank goodness. Keeps you... certainly keeps me on my toes. And it's been quite a busy week. There's been all sorts of activity this week, certainly in South Africa and globally. The first sort of big news, something we've spoken about many, many, many times, the spectrum auction went ahead. Big deal indeed, because we've been waiting for this for 12 years, 13 years, maybe a little bit longer. Simply put, As I've always said, Spectrum is the lifeblood of the mobile communications industry, and it is radio waves. It's simply chunks of radio waves that are used by the various towers to transmit the signals they need in order to deliver voice and mobile data. And with the growth of mobile data as the de facto internet connectivity standard for the vast majority of South Africans. Those of us who are lucky to have fiber and other forms, well, just pretty much fiber today. Uh, All the others have faded away. So if you don't have fiber, you've got some form of wireless. Wireless uses spectrum. Spectrum is a scarce resource. The government and the various regulators like ICASA have been playing games with that spectrum for years and years and years. We're still waiting for digital TV, which affects the spectrum. So all in all, it's been a big week with final spectrum auctions 2.7 billion rand paid by C and telcom for certain teeny little 10 megahertz and not a lot of spectrum but the fact is that money will go straight straight uh into the government's coffers it never hurts they'll spend it hopefully very responsibly on some really good things for you and i the citizens of south africa but whatever the case is once the networks have the spectrum, all sorts of things become possible. But 5G is continuing to roll out. Mobile is continuing to be the thing. And moving on to mobile, which is really, really interesting, is that this week Apple also released a whole lot of new and interesting gizmos and gadgets. And next week they're going to re- release something, well, their new operating system, iOS 15.4. And there's one little tidbit of of software or little new platform that is built into 15.4, which will change a lot of things for a lot of people across the world. And that is that the, the iPhone, if you have an NF, yeah, any one of the more modern iPhones, in fact, running 15.4, will be able to accept card payments directly using an app. Well, not to be outdone, Absa have announced this week that they are launching exactly that, they're launching an app only for android for the moment and it's the abso mobile pay app and it will be an app you run on your phone which will allow an nfc capable device with any form of android from android 7 now we're already on android 12 so pretty good last four or five years worth of android phones as long as they got nfc capability and they can they will then be able to directly accept contactless payment. So if you're a small business or any business that needs some form of credit card acceptance mechanism, this is a no-brainer, really. Simple, clean, no monthly cost, no um, monthly fee to use the thing, no additional hardware, plugins, readers, dongles. Now there's Yoko and there are a couple of other really cool little dongles and whatnot floating about, but they all need to connect to a phone, connect to something, connect to an app this is just an app on a phone and I'm sure that the costs of the actual acceptance and clearance will be the standard two to five percent depending on your volume and what you can what you can do but because there is no cost directly to own it or to use it it's pretty much a no-brainer for for anybody certainly the informal market or anybody who wants to accept debit or credit cards through an accredited operator like ABSA so Good on apps. I think that's quite a cool move. The Apple move, we'll talk more about Apple later because they had a big event. That was the other big news this week. A whole new host of Apples, some not so expensive and others off the charts crazy. Um, We're talking about uh, nearly a million Rand for a laptop somewhere in that sort of region. Crazy, crazy stuff. So really so many things happening. But the new version of 15.4 will allow exactly that with an app. Your iPhone can then accept payments directly. Now, Apple Pay is available in South Africa. It's become a really slick, ubiquitous, easy way to pay for pretty much anything. I mean, my wallet has slimmed down to a tiny little, you know, ID and driver's license card holder, pretty much, because all my uh, all my cards are on my phone, and I've not yet found anyone who doesn't accept it. Only the really old devices that have to you got to physically swipe a card, then they. They don't work but anywhere else anything that's tapped tap to pay you can just use your phone it's a pleasure so i don't believe that card acceptance will come here yet because obviously apple have got to do a deal with a card acceptance vendor such as Absa or whoever they may be but um, it definitely is something that i think will be a bit of a game changer and the smartphone continues to be a device that does everything for us. I mean, it's a a computer, it's an internet access device, it's a banking device, it's a, um, yes, you can even make a few phone calls if you're really keen. So it really is just getting more and more and more powerful. And in Tech Talk Cafe, which follows this segment, we're going to talk about all the new Apple products and all the new Apple gizmos and gadgets, mostly focused around their new M1 hardware and uh, computers, but definitely some new mobile devices. And certainly, well, super popular in my family is going to be a dark green iPhone 13, which uh, somehow they omitted from the last batch. But I suppose they introduced colors just to create a little bit of excitement. So moving on to more uh, interesting news, the whole story of Spectrum auctions. As I said, um, the auctions went ahead this week. The winners were Celsius and Telcom. Considering Celsi is cash-strapped, Um, I actually mentioned on many platforms that there are a lot of people who see a lot of value in uh, mobile communications and access to spectrum is the new gold. With that spectrum, you can actually do a whole lot of stuff within the space of mobile and that can translate into huge returns on, on value. And MTN released their results this week and just shows you that despite the economy being a little bit broken and slow at the moment. MTN absolutely knocked it out of the park with their with massive growth across the entire network, both South Africa and Africa. And the big news there really is that data revenue leapt leapt 13.1%, but service revenue, which includes everything else, mobile calls, etc, et jumped 6.5% and their costs dropped, so their profitability profitability uh, went up by 6.1%. So overall, a really, really, really good, strong result for MTN. They spent over 10 billion rand on their network. As you know, or you may not know, MTN is way ahead on 5G in South Africa. They're rolling out across most of the major, net, most of the major sort of uh, urban areas in Johannesburg. It's pretty ubiquitous. Most of the north and some of the south, east and west, seem to be a little patchy but growing every single day and the speeds they're getting max speeds of 600 average speeds of 100 to 200 it is 5g is significantly faster than 4g it can handle far higher capacity so you shouldn't have the santon uh, brown out every time you try and make a call in or use your data in the middle of santon on a busy day things get slow or don't work or calls drop with 5g none of that happens it's really a significantly better set up and system so MTN roaring ahead with everything and the other thing that gave them a really good bump in their revenue is that they are now the, the um, operator of choice for C. so there's been some massive consolidation in the market you're definitely seeing C do not run their own they still have some in some of the urban areas but essentially Celsi have shut down their um, networks their physical network, their radio network and they're roaming pretty much exclusively on MTN. So big stuff happening in that space. Both MTN and Vodacom delivering really good results, and we're seeing a massive growth in the usage of mobile. And as I said, you know, you can do credit cards on mobile directly. That this the humble cell phone has become the mega mega uh, terminal for your entire connected life and it's pretty spectacular what is possible on a mobile phone. Now before we break for for our sponsors, I have a quick live read and then we'll break for our sponsors and we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe talking about all the new apples that uh, were announced this week at their event on Tuesday. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back and no guests this time on Tech Talk Cafe but we do have Uh, Quick report back on the Apple event that happened on Tuesday. They called it um, the power event. And in many cases, it was absolutely a big deal with regard to Apple Silicon. Now, Apple Silicon, you may or may not have heard has become quite a big deal in the technology space. Apple is now a $3 trillion valued company. They certainly are doing some of the most innovative stuff. And I mean, I'm pretty agnostic. I operate on a Mac machine, one of the new Mac, Mac Pros, and I also operate on a Windows machine, which I'm talking to you right now on. So I play with a vast range of products. But currently, I would say, um, the market leader in, techno- in in the processor technology space for both mobile and for laptops or desktops is Apple. Their new M1 and M1 Ultra and M1 Max and M1 Extra Ultra, they've got a million different chips based on, the, on, on their own architecture, as well as the, the chips that they're using in their iPhone 13 and all the other phones and iPads. definitely, appear to be some of the most leading cutting-edge chips that are available across the market qualcomm intel are responding bringing out really new chips which is the point the whole thing is that it's absolutely amazing how you get a market leader pushing the boundaries of technology and then previous market leaders like intel amd Qualcomm, all the guys that are operating in the chip space have to respond and really relook really at their ranges, come up with new products, new platforms, new plat- ways to do things that pushes the envelope of what's possible even further. But right now, Apple with the M1 and the other chips are without question cutting edge. They're pushing the envelope in, in, in so many ways. And the two key things is performance versus power. So the battery life of all these All the portable devices have gone up exponentially, whereas the processing power, both video and for all sorts of other other computing tasks like artificial intelligence and just general computing, running the machine, have pushed forward incredibly uh, far from where they were before. So with that in mind, understanding what Apple are doing with what they're doing, it makes a lot more sense. They released a brand new desktop, which is quite interesting, Um, and it looks like an overgrown um, Apple TV. It's probably double the price, and it's called the Mac Studio. Now, they've always had the Mac Pro, which is their sort of really high-end device, and they've always had the Mac Mini, which was sort of a bit of an orphan device. It had great technology now with the M1. It's very well-priced. It's like a little puck, and uh, it is a full-blown computer with everything you need, and it was well-priced for for a particular market. But what was missing was a powerful, powerful workhorse type computer that wasn't quite as big or as powerful as their Pro version. And the Mac Studio seems to fill that spot incredibly well. It comes in multiple different versions. And the most important difference is that the entry level, and we're still talking about a very high end device, comes with the M1 Max chip. And you can also get the M1 Ultra with up to 128 gigs of RAM. Not, um, not uh, storage, RAM, and up to 8 terabytes of storage, all uh, solid state, all incredibly fast. But as I said, the price, when you start speccing it with full max RAM, max everything, pushes <laughs> stupid, stupid hundreds of thousands of RAMs for a laptop. But the Max Studio can power up to four high-definition 5K screens, it comes with the latest technologies, the Thunderbolt 3, USB-Cs, SD cards, Ethernet, HDMI, even a headphone jack for those that need to plug in a, a standard wired headphone. And it is matched but not paired. In other words, you buy it separately with their new Mac Studio display, which is a 5K 27-inch display, which... I've played with the standard current 5K 27-inch iMac, and the display is one of the best displays on the market. The only thing I will say that the new the new Mac Studio display is very expensive for what it is. And again, Apple are playing their little game. You buy the display without any form of stand for around about one and a half thousand dollars. So that's like twenty grand for a little bit over twenty grand for the display, and then you land up spending nearly nearly more money on the stand options because they've got a whole host of options one fixed one variable you know and one that you can adjust the tilt and the height up to two and a half thousand dollars for a stand so it suddenly takes a, a screen which is spectacularly good as far as screens go comes with a camera built in so it's got it comes with really good speakers built in so you don't have to add any extras to it but cameras and speakers are not exactly the most expensive parts of uh, of 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 your audio, of your setup for your computer but it can push close to 40 45000 rand for a fully um, organized screen which as far as i'm concerned is i suppose it's mac and i suppose it it, it has the cachet of being really really high quality with beautiful engineering but 40000 rand for a screen when you can get a really good quality 4k um, screen from many, many other manufacturers that will work perfectly well with any Mac device at seven to 15,000 Rand. takes a bit of a stretch. I'm not sure how well it will do, but I suppose there are companies and people who will absolutely go for it. But as I said, the big news was the whole M1 Max and M1 Ultra, which has up to 20 cores with 32 cores of the so-called neural engine. That's the AI processor. And they believe that this is more powerful than anything. And in fact, on paper, it seems to be more powerful than anything that is often followed by its competitors in the high-end sort of workstation space. So really big news around the the Mac Studio. I believe this is quite a a great idea within that space because it has tons and tons of performance performance. It's very compact. It's got all the inputs and the outputs that any pro would need. It is very energy efficient, though at that level, I don't know how critical that is in any buying decision. And it certainly has performance that is at the absolute cutting edge of technology currently. There's no question that Intel and other guys are going to try their best or will, in fact, bring out competitive products in the very near future. There's some rumors of those already. But for now, if you in the Mac ecosystem, there's just absolutely nothing to touch the the new um, the new Studio, the Mac Studio, and its chipset complement. Because the chipset, the new M1 Max and the M1 Ultra, are only available in um, the Studio, the Studio, the Mac Studio. So, if you're in that sort of space and you're really looking for the best Mac in a long time, this certainly looks like it. At the same time. They've launched a brand new iPad, and that's the iPad Air, which instead of the normal mobile processor chip is getting the M1 chip and a purple color. So that I'm sure is very important. Those that want purple can now get a purple, green, gold, silver, and sort of space gray as as before. But where, um, where the new iPad Air gets the edge is the M1 chip, and they've upgraded the uh, USB-C port as well as the memory options, in order to make this essentially a fully-fetched computer. It's actually cheaper using the M1 chip than a MacBook Air, which um, is quite interesting for performance. That's very close. However, it runs uh, iPad OS, not Mac OS, so there's certain things that may not run on it. But essentially, they're bringing the iPad Air and the Mac computer systems closer and closer and closer together. In many cases it's almost indistinguishable between the two when you're using apps and various various products and you add a keyboard, you add a big screen, you add a mouse. It becomes a fully fledged, super light, super slick computer with a camera built in and it's portable. So your choice, but the pricing is a little bit more than the current pricing of the iPad, of the current iPad Air. Um, which used the A15 chip from Apple. And it should be available uh, around about the middle of March, March the 18th. The other little news that was really interesting, and there's been serious mixed reviews, and I for one think that Apple have dropped the ball here. They launched a brand new um, iPhone SE. And that is essentially the SE was their lowest cost phone op- that they had. It looked like an old iPhone 8. It had the same body, essentially, but with the latest, latest innards, uh, processors, and all the rest. So it has the same reasonably resolution screen. It has the Touch ID button. Um, It's a slightly smaller screen in a very smooth, slick, I think very attractive body, but one that came out with with the iPhone 8, which is many, many years ago, five years ago. That's a long time for a design to stand the test of time. But in typical Apple uh, quality, it feels it. feels they do feel great, they look great, and they work extremely well. Well, the new SE has an A15 chip, um, which is the same as the iPhone 13, so it's as fast, it's as powerful, it can do all sorts of things. They've also thrown in 5G connectivity, which, as I said, even in South Africa is becoming much more ubiquitous, much more available. And... Um, it certainly does increase or improve your experience considerably. They've also upgraded the camera to a 12 megapixel camera with all the deep fusion and computational photography stuff that's built into the iPhone to the A15 chip. So the picture quality will probably, without changing the sensor much, you'll probably find that there's a massive update or massive massive improvement in general um, photography. And the speed at which the, photo- the photograph is processed, handled, and, um, you know, presented to you on the screen. They've also made it slightly more water-resistant. It's still not full water-resistant, but it certainly won't mind a glass of wine or a little dunk for for here or there. But as I said, there's been a lot of um, chatter about that Apple should have done better. It's not that... Um, much less expensive than last year's the iphone 12 or even the iphone 11 units which are still available so why would you want such an old design where you can get a pretty much equivalent much better camera much better quality using an a14 chip maybe not the best chip on the market but people have their preferences you know they've probably done their homework they probably figured out that there is a market for people who want a standard one without the face ID, without all the fancy stuff, just a touch ID on the, on the button with a physical click button. So, I have no doubt it'll sell in great uh, quantity. It'll be in South Africa within the next three weeks, I have no question on that. And um, it will be fairly well priced for an Apple device. It certainly comes in very competitively spec-wise against a lot of these sort of entry to high-end, to, to upper high-end, not, not real high-end Android phones. And, um, you know, running the latest version of Apple uh, iOS, it certainly has absolutely everything that um, you need from an, from, an, from an iPhone. And then just to add uh, a little bit of discord in the house, um, <laughs> when the iPhone 13 Pro came out last September, one thing that was missing was a green one. My wife loves green, and she would have loved to change to a green iPhone, but uh, she had one at 12. And uh, now, guess what? An iPhone 13 Pro in and an iPhone 13 in a very fetching dark green has been announced. It will be available <clears throat> March the 11th globally for pre-order. But uh, I do believe that it'll be in South Africa within probably two weeks. And it's a really cool color. It's no different. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) It's no different to the current iPhone 13 Pro or iPhone 13. But it does um, have a really pretty color. And I'm sure there will be a whole matching range of cases and, and whatnot. But this is, I like this color. And I think that a nice clear screen would do it the most justice and there were other announcements but they tended to to really um focus on tv plus their their the television program set up they're going live sport watch out dstv live sport is coming or certainly international live sport is coming to a whole host of real online platforms while uh, dstv messes with their online platform and tries to exclude people from multi-streaming and whatnot um, I've been having massive trouble this week with streaming on DSTV, which is crazy. I mean, if you want to watch on your iPad or your computer in your office, you don't want to watch at home, you don't want to watch on your big screen, or one of the kids want to go off and watch something, all of a sudden you can't do that because they've restricted it. Just the whole the whole interface, and I'm sorry, this is not meant to be a rant on DSTV, but they, their whole online streaming platform seems to be... a a grudge purchase for them they really don't seem to put a lot of effort into it the interface is terrible the performance is poor they don't have 4k streaming you know there's just so many things that put them so far behind the cutting edge of what's going on in the world with streaming and with internet access load shedding creates, creates havoc but with internet access being what it is in south africa i i would imagine that a mix of, of broadcast satellite and streaming makes so much sense when the weather's bad you can stream, there's been lots of storms, it's really trees have been blowing in front of my satellite dish, I've been losing signal simply stream it across, so I think they really need to get their act together I think they've done a, a really terrible job on their streaming platform and in this day and age they need to compete with guys like Apple who are going to start streaming international sports Um, Peacock, as well as that's one of the big ones in America also do a lot of live streaming so does Hulu, so globally, um, ESPN globally, Sky so many, do so many streaming platforms, so really DSTV, quick catch a wake up Um, Apple are doing it and let that be a a little heads up that if the big boys are starting to stream sport, your days of being uh, (laughs) exclusive are pretty much gone. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as I said, currently stage four load shedding. It's actually a little disastrous. It's terrible for Wi-Fi. It's terrible for electronics. They hate being switched on and off so regularly. Three times a day creates enormous trouble. We're all trying to carry on with our lives. Most of the mobile networks can cope to a point um, but they have been you need between four and six hours to fully recharge a battery set on a big on a big mobile antenna. And when you've got load shedding happening this regularly, you do land up with problems um, with net with towers going down after an hour or two um, and you are we are having interruptions. So the standby of mobile has become a real challenge within the space of connectivity. Now fiber for the same reason seems to be holding up quite well but this load shedding is continuing well into the next week I believe and unfortunately the indications are that load shedding is going to continue for many many more months. There doesn't seem to be any let up on getting the major, the mega coal fired stations back up and running and the maintenance of the smaller ones which sort of or the bedrock of South Africa's grid has not kept up or has proved to be far more complex than anyone thought. So plan B, supply your own power, has definitely become something that everybody needs to think about, that everybody needs to deal with. And the questions I keep getting is, do we get a UPS, do we get an inverter, do we get a generator, or do we go solar power? What do we do to to just give us a couple of hours of connectivity at the very least, or maybe we can watch some TV or or just instead of disrupting our lives so considerably and sitting in the dark, what is the best way to go? And a lot of adverts have been going out about inverters, a lot of promotions around UPSs. And the question is, which is the correct one? I'll focus on those two right now. I was talking to uh, one of the suppliers of solar, in the last couple of days and um solars with inverters and battery backup seems to be the high-end way but too much to talk about right now but the stack the power stack that any moderate ha- home would need is probably in a five to ten kilowatt range with either a generator petrol driven diesel driven diesel much more expensive tend to be much more powerful petrol Less expensive, though petrol at over 20 rand a litre is not exactly a bargain. However, quick, easy, simple, and the pricing of the generators is pretty reasonable, if a little noisy. All of that um, as a base stack in order to supply lights, plugs, and a couple of items like a coffee machine, maybe, not a kettle, coffee machine, um, and a fridge just to keep everything cool, is sort of the base setup that you have. However... If you want and you don't want to get involved in all of that with solar panels on the roof or a generator outside, there are ways to stay connected, certainly via mobile and certainly via fiber um, to the home, if you have either a a UPS or a generator, uh, a UPS or an inverter. And the, the two main differences essentially are that a UPS is an uninterruptible power supply, and that's what it stands for. It's always online. It's immediate so as soon as the power goes down down the best way to explain it is that a UPS sits between you and the power and is always supplying power from the UPS there are different types of UPS's and the more expensive ones um, are faster but generally the the UPS will supply power during a power outage it charges its internal batteries from the mains there is an inverter built in there but essentially it always monitors the electricity and it works by switching directly to um, the battery when the mains go out and back to the mains when the, 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 the power comes back on. And it filters and generally stabilizes the, the, the mains so no surges. So, for example, sometimes when the power comes back on, there's a bit of a surge. When everyone switches on, it can damage your equipment. The UPS tends to do a really good job of filtering and monitoring that. And UPSs come in all sizes, from tiny to massive. Obviously, the the bigger they get, the more batteries, the longer they last, the more power, the the more expensive they become. But the average um, router or little box that connects to your fiber and gives you Wi-Fi in the house can run easily on a 600 to 1,000 kVA um, UPS pretty much. For up to two, three hours, depending on what else is running. And if you've got a laptop that has a couple of hours of battery life or your mobile phones that are fully charged when the power goes down, you'll find that the UPS is the most seamless way and the most simple way to stay connected, stay online for a very very, very long period of time as the power comes and goes. And it also takes away the problem of having to reset your Wi-Fi every two minutes because things keep changing. You obviously have to power your your CPE, which is the box for your your um, either your mobile um, box or the box that connects to the fiber network, plus your 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 Wi-Fi router, plus any other little pieces of equipment that you use in that space. I would not power printers or big screens or things like that because then you need a really big UPS: three kVA, four kVA, five kVA, which can last an hour or two with moderate usage. Now inverters on the other hand are essentially a, a, a battery with a with an AC power transformer. So you've got these big batteries which get charged from the mains pretty much like a UPS. They are a little bit cheaper and um, they do they do connect and allow your your items to, to work. what they don't have mostly is some form of switchover so you have to actually switch them on and connect them and get them going. They don't sit between your equipment and the mains. So generally, they will last longer because they're they're a lot less simple simple electronics. They do cost a little bit less, but they have the downside of not automatically managing um, the main power and switching automatically and across. So you Generally, we'll find they'll only be used for domestic use. You have to switch them on. You have to switch over, and once you've lost power to your your your, your UPS or lost power to your Wi-Fi, and that you have to wait for it to reboot. It's not that convenient. But if price is a is a consideration, it's not a bad way to just power up the basics for a period, and you can probably power more a couple of TVs and a, a few more things because they tend to be. Because for the money you get much bigger batteries. So rule of thumb uh, the main function of a UPS is to store ele- electrical supply whereas the inverter converts AC power to DC power um, or well the other way around actually DC power to AC power that runs a lot of things but you've got to plug it in like you would a generator you need to start it there's no automatic switch um, and that does make it a little less convenient especially if you're not there and the kids are trying to do something It just makes things a little bit uh, more complicated. So that would be my choice, a UPS. Have a look, there are a lot around, round about 700 to 1,500 for a little one that'll run your your router for at least two hours, up to 10, 15,000 that'll run a lot more. Um, Inverters tend to be a bit of a hassle, but they can work reasonably well at about 30% less money. So you choose, but my choice would be a UPS. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And although it's a very distant thing for most of us, we now sit in a, in a crazy world where there's an actual war going on in Europe. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Russia has shut down the internet for the most part in uh, most of Russia to try to keep information from getting out. And you may or may not have heard of TOR. So if you're a bit of a tech aficionado, you've heard of TOR. TOR is often linked, which stands for the Onion Router, is often linked to the dark web, which is the internet that exists outside of the current Google-related standard internet that you and I use on a day-to-day basis. It's where all the sort of black sites are hidden and all the things that happen without um, you know, a lot of the illegal activity, drug smuggling and, and stuff happens on the dark web, as well as a lot of the cyber, cyber crime uh, sharing of information and everything. And the way to get into this is something called the Tor or Onion Router. Well, what Twitter has done, because Twitter has proved to be a major information source, especially in times like through the, um, the Arab Spring, wherever there's been conflict and wherever com- governments have tried to limit access to the internet, you've used something like Tor or the Onion Router to give you access to blocked sites in a way that cannot be interfered with by anyone. All you need is some form of connectivity, and it somehow hides everything from the systems and platforms that block it. So the internet in Russia hasn't gone down. It's just been restricted at the server level to block a whole host of of dot. Of of, of domains, so websites on the Tor browser include a .onion web domain instead of .com, and you can access a ton of stuff. So if you're interested, go and have a look at the Tor browser. All you need to do is go to um, tor.com, torproject.org, t-o-r-project.org, and you can download uh, all the necessary to get onto the the Onion router and and start getting access to blocked sites. But the whole thing with VPNs, um, dark site routers or routers that allow us to access stuff are quite a big deal. And we are going to see more and more of this going forward as people start pushing privacy. And the social networks, which is Facebook um, and uh, right now Twitter has definitely launched, but Facebook are talking about it are looking for ways to operate so that people can communicate with those outside of the country and still maintain access to non-Russian news services so that the disinformation and the sort of propaganda that's being shared in Russia about this being simply a uh, exercise and not an invasion of a sovereign country um, would be somewhat countered by the information. But the Internet is an incredibly powerful resource, and interestingly enough, our friends at... Um, Facebook and Twitter are doing whatever they can to keep their sites up and running to allow people to share information and to at least understand what's going on in the world. So lots happening. There's going to be all sorts of fallout around this. We're going to see more and more new technologies coming, which will bypass or protect privacy and allow stop governments from being able to stop you doing what you need to do online hopefully we never see anything like that in South Africa but Africa has a bad record and uh, Russia unfortunately right now is really limiting access to information in ways that should never be possible and on that note we have to wrap up the day the time has come the hour is gone lots more tech next week same place same time Tech talk right here on high FM